Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Thelma and Louise. Thelma and Louise, two best friends hit the road for a weekend road trip and briefly escape their obnoxious home lives. During their first stop at a roadhouse bar, Thelma, played by Gina Davis, is assaulted, and Louise, played by Susan Sarandon, comes to her rescue by shooting the man dead. Convinced no one will believe the true series of events, they get back in their car and go on the lam. Screenplay by Callie Curie, directed by Ridley Scott, and premiered at the Cannes Film Festival on May 20th, 1991. You've seen Thelma and Louise before? Yes, I've, yeah. I've seen this movie a lot. A lot, yeah. Uh, this is another one that's <laughs> like a classic that has passed me by until now. I mean, obviously I knew the ending. I think that's probably... Um, that became instantly spoiled, I think, in, in mass media, in culture. It's one of those things that's so iconic... Uh, that it's it's unavoidable but I don't think that's the reason why I never saw the movie I just never got around to it you know again it's like our family was renting comedies mostly we weren't watching dramas and, and this deals with some very heavy subjects in fact we should probably just go ahead right away and yeah, say this is, content I, I warning always, I always forget that but yeah trigger warning content warning because there's going to be talks of domestic violence and sexual assault yeah uh, very heavy themes that honestly I wasn't fully aware of um, as a kid and it seems like a lot of people who went to go see it to begin with didn't know of those themes because mm. this was packaged as a comedy yeah when the, the trailer way they came marketed out. we didn't watch the trailer we didn't no I mean we heard a little bit of it um, yeah from a podcast we listened to but yeah, they market it as two best friends going on a road trip, and it's mostly the beginning where Louise asks Thelma, did you tell your husband? She's like, nope, I left him a note. And that's just like, ha 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 ha, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. No indication of what is to come, and, and what is to come is, is a lot. It escalates, and it keeps on building and building and building until the climactic end boy it's tough to talk about this one just because there's like there's I, I don't know where to start because there's just so much to potentially go after and I don't know if we even want to try to cover all the things that we could possibly talk about um, I, I think one of the main things I want to say is that there are a lot of different ways you could interpret the movie and I think that historically a lot of the backlash or maybe even nowadays, I don't really know. Uh, like a lot of the backlash or a lot of the criticism that came about from this movie was because of this subject matter of two women who are doing these criminal things and who are 
you know, um, taking revenge on the men who wronged them and how that's inappropriate behavior or something that you shouldn't be seeing on screen. Right. Right. It was like a man-hating movie. Yeah, like this, that a this lot whole of, idea is, you know, whatever. A lot of film critics... A lot of male comment on film yeah. critics, primarily. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's I think it's much more male centric. People who had fragile egos, who didn't understand uh, that if they have a problem with it, then they are probably the people that they are causing it. Right, that are causing the problems. <laughs> yeah. Um, unlike something like Sleeping with the Enemy, where we saw a lot of negative backlash from both genders, or you know both men and women critics you know criticizing yeah criticizing the movie and 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 some of the ways and talking about how people weren't manly enough or whatever how the guy had some redeeming qualities even though he was a stalker and refused to let her go um there's there's a lot of ways to interpret this movie i don't think that it's i don't think man-hating is one of them i mean i understand how they get to that point i just personally did not see that when watching the movie yeah, there's men scumbags in this movie. Right. Including Harlan, the the main antagonist who's the catalyst of this whole thing. He's the guy they meet at the Roadhouse Bar and, and he uh, attempts to to rape Thelma. And right. then gets and shot it's... and it takes no accountability for his actions and, and um even yeah. with the gun against his head, he's like, well, fuck you. And Right, he still, him. Louise puts a gun to his head, and she's like, you better stop that. And then he's still antagonizing them, being like, well, fuck you. And then, yeah. you know, he says, suck my cock. And then she's just like, all right, well, fuck you, I'm going to shoot you. Yeah. So, I mean, and then you have, like, JD, the guy that they pick up on the road, who is a hitchhiker who turns out to be a robber. Right, he's a bad guy too, but he doesn't really get his comeuppance, right? Um, no. Um, and then you have uh, Daryl, Thelma's husband. husband, played by Christopher McDonald, who he's like a he's, bumbling. He's just like he's of... a jackass womanizer who you know tries to keep a short leash on his wife while he goes out and does whatever around. he wants. Yeah. But he doesn't really get, like, a comeuppance either, other than his wife has left him. Like, you know, like, she, like, nothing bad happens to him. So... No, I mean, just his wife left, and he's kind of, like, well, when the cops come to him to tell him about his wife it has been wanted for murder... Or and, assisting. And then, attempt, and then actual robbery. And yeah. then, yeah, once he sees her robbing a store, you see his face like, that's not my wife. Yeah, like, just like... She just, would never do that. Yeah, the only thing that happens to him is he gets, he gets his whole perspective shifted of... Like, wow, my wife has balls. Because she's just in the... In the uh, beginning of the movie, she's just very. She's afraid to tell her husband that she's going on this trip with her friend, so she just doesn't even bother to ask because she knows he's gonna say no. Right. She's like, "I'm gonna go anyways and peace out and leave a note." Which is. But yeah, she's you know, just like. Which is sort of understandable because he's you know he does whatever he wants and he didn't even you know they they, right. they do a little cutaway shot showing that the note at home. 
has still not been found with the microwave food that's still in the microwave, you know, uncooked at like three o'clock in the morning when she tries to call. Right. So like he never came back home. He never intended to come back home Mm -hmm. when she left. And so he's like, well, if you're going to do whatever you want to do, then I get to have one weekend to myself. Yes. And when he sees her, you know, or hears about her wanted for murder and then sees her robbing that store, he's like, oh, she can stand up for herself or something like that. Yeah. By the way, Christopher McDonald, who was uh, Gina Davis's former fiance at the time of making this, now playing husband and wife, which is interesting. Yeah, she wanted him. Yeah, she apparently recruited him, and he, I guess, he enjoyed the (laughs) the the reconnection. Yeah, and Um, a lot of the stuff he did, from what I was reading, and we were listening to a couple podcasts that he did a lot of just improv or ad-libbing of his reactions to things and some of the things he said or did. Like the very beginning where he's going off to work and he slips and da- slips and falls in front of the car. Yeah. That was an intentional character. Yeah. Right. He, like, but he gets up and he just starts yelling at the people working around him. Mm-hmm. Like, I want you guys out of here by five. No, three. And then he just gets out. And then he leaves, yeah. I, for for the, the role that he has, I think Chris McDonald, I think, is very underrated in this movie. I don't, you know, obviously a lot of the focus is on the women, but, like, I think, well, just Chris McDonald in general, he's always playing a, a yeah, shitty person. Yeah, he's good at playing a dick. We've already seen him twice in Wild Orchid 2 and Dutch. We'll see him two more times in Red Wind and Fatal Exposure, you know, potentially in 1991. So, like, he's he's in a bunch of stuff, and you know him from all the stuff that we talked about before with him. But I think, you know, he has a lot of, like, amazing facial reactions that add to the comedy when it needs to be added. And, yeah, he's just, um, he knows how to do it. But, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, decent characters all around. Um... I, I would say, like, Hal, the, the police officer, is one of the the guys who, you know, he's he's doing his job. He's trying to bring in fugitives, wanted people, trying to solve cases. But he seems, unless I missed something crucial in the whole conversation, like he, the seems nice like, guy? he seems like a legitimately caring individual. Yeah, yeah. He's he actually just wants to do his job, and everyone's like, "Get on!" Like you know. Yeah, everyone. Like near the like, end, everyone kind of just wants to kill them when they're just at the very end when yeah. all the cops barricade them and they're they have nowhere to go. Yeah, and he's like, "No, let them." He's like, "No, hold your guns. I don't want them to get killed." Right, and they're like, "Well, this is a procedure." <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and he's like, "No, we gotta show them mercy." Even when he is starting to communicate with the women because you know it starts off where he gets to the bar where Thelma and Louise were yeah and he is interviewing the waitress that was waiting on them and she just says you know it was two women I don't even know their names they were driving this car and and there's no way they could have done this Right, and those I think that scene is really instrumental in helping build Hal as a likable, relatable character because you see that she, that the Lena and Hal have this pre-existing relationship in terms of working. You know, like 
she sees a whole bunch of stuff working at this bar and he's always involved in the stuff that happens at the bar and so they know each other and they have like this very flirty rapport between each other yeah he's like what happened this time and it's like oh some guy got shot and yeah. now he's dead but you know he's not a hard ass about any of it right. he's just like trying to, to get things done with a wink and a smile and all this kind of good stuff um, I would also add that another good guy is Jimmy, Michael Madsen's character who plays yeah. Louise's boyfriend. They paint him early on as being like, you know, somebody who's completely not right for Louise or, you know, they're on again, off again. And like, you know, she needs to get out of that situation. But uh, nothing that happens on screen is bad with Jimmy. Yeah, he's trying to do right by her. In all honesty, like, I think there's a lot that can be assumed from their relationship, just from the scenes. Um, maybe we'll like, they have love more. for each other. But they definitely she... have love for each other, but, like, Jimmy understands exactly what's going on, and neither of them refuse to say it. He's not trying to necessarily convince her out of running away. Mm-hmm. He wants to help her because he loves her. And if nothing else, he wants to come with. Yeah, but she's like, no, I've got to right. do this. Like, this is my problem, and i got to deal with it. And any other movie would probably have him give some big-ass speech and try to, like, swoon and, and make her, you know... Sway towards him or something? Yeah, like, give up on all this stuff and have this big thing. But Jimmy here... He just gets it. Like, he understands, like, look, I know I'm not supposed to ask questions. I'll still ask a couple just out of, you know, necessity, but I, I know I'm not going to get an answer, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just enjoy the time that we have together and see you never. Yeah. I'm sorry things happen this way. And I want to get into that more a little bit later on because we, I want to talk about Texas as like a separate point. Yeah. Um, but all of this preamble to basically say that like it's hard for me to say that this is a man-hating movie. When you have a full range of spectrum yes. of characters. <laughs> Total assholes. And then... And good, nice guys. And then you kind of on have... On both sides of the law, really. Yeah, you even have someone in the... You can even say that Michael McDonald or Daryl is kind of like in the middle. I don't know. Yeah, kind of. I mean, he in was a way. dick to... He was 100% a dick to his wife, but he was kind of... Well, they've been, they were high school sweethearts, and they were just like each other's... Well, at least Thelma's first for everything. And yeah. she kind of has like this naive attitude towards everything because she she seems sheltered because he probably makes her sheltered yes and yeah. yeah it's like that that young puppy love that did not leave her for a very long time he always probably just took advantage of it right the whole time and then i think when he sees his wife or hearing about what his wife is doing he's like he accepts it now he kind of doesn't care. There's also a part that he does care. There's, you know, it's it's a really... Oh, you think, like, balanced... oh, well, she's on the run, good riddance? But he's kind of like, I want her back. But he wants her back co- so control. she can... 
Yeah, to control. But yeah, like once he sees like the the robbery footage, I think that's when he's like, okay, well, this is a lost cause. Yeah, he's like, okay, well, I'm not gonna get my my innocent wife back. Mm-hmm. JD sleeps with Thelma. Yeah, later JD's on, and JD egging. Tells JD's that, egging basically. Yeah, JD's egging Daryl on, saying, "I like your wife," and he's like kind of doing these humping motions to the air, and Daryl's getting pissed off. Um, so yeah, it, but I also don't want, I, I think it's wrong to sort of approach this as rebutting criticisms from 30 years ago for insecure men who <laughs> didn't know any better about <laughs> yeah. this movie, right? But I also, the last thing I kind of want to say about that whole sub point is that this doesn't have to be taken with a deeper meaning if you don't want it to. There, there is, you know, there is the whole women strong, you know, like women, I don't know, how, how, what was, what's the word I'm trying to look at? Feminism? Like, I okay. guess feminism. Yeah. Like, uh, like a girl power, but you know, I don't know. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm struggling and it makes me sound like an asshole now. But it, <laughs> the main thing is like, this is just, you know, this is a story. This is an action movie that happens to have two female leads because of the circumstances that led to it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be taken at more than just that face value if you don't want it to. That's all I'm saying. Right. But there is more that could be gleaned in terms of cultural significance of it. And I think that's where a lot of this sort of uh, longevity of the movie came from compare this movie to the like fry green tomatoes yes here's here's what i would say it, it's um weirdly this is gonna sound very weird one part fry green tomatoes one part sweet poison okay which i know a lot of people who i barely listening remember to this, sweet poison sweet okay. poison was the one where, i know like, where they go off on the run yeah where it's the wife and the husband the or, wife and the husband are, are kidnapped by a guy who's on the lamb and then the wife gets turned into a criminal by the other guy yeah and she you know leans into this life of crime and you know loses her innocence it's kind of that in a way mm-hmm. but it's not that movie was over the top schlocky exploitation-ish garbage yeah this has nuance this has tact (laughs) this has structure and rhythm and character development that makes sense from the start of this movie you have Thelma who's this extremely naive person who is um really guarded sheltered like we talked about before and tends to like really over prepare for everything she brings a billion things into this car for yeah this, they go this fishing and she brings like 30 nets it looks like yeah and like uh. <laughs> 10 bags whatever can fit in this giant uh, uh convertible that that uh, louise is driving and by the end of it, it okay Here's what I'll say. I, I would say that there's probably a, a very large arc for Thelma's character, a much smaller arc for Louise, but at the very end, they're on the same page. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't it didn't take Louise as much to get her to that place. Thelma had to make a much bigger leap 
Um, to get to the same place that Louise is at. To get Louise to the same place at. that Louise is at. Yeah. Uh, but they both get there, and there is, you know, there is a transition. And, it, you know, obviously a lot of the, the cultural significance is that a lot of it has to do with how they have been treated in society. Uh, the reason they go on the run in the first place is because they immediately know, or at least Louise, knows, yeah, Louise immediately knows she's that gonna get they are arrested. not going to be believed when they tell the cops that Thelma was being raped and it was purely self-defense. Right. Because, I mean, there were no other witnesses. There are probably no cameras in the parking lot of no. that bar. So, and immediately... Even it seems like everyone in the town knows Harlan and knows what he gets up to. Right. Even the matter. waitress was like, oh, who are you bothering today, Harlan? Like, right. everyone knows that Harlan's kind of like this ladies' man, but you don't know if Harlan has ever done that before. But you get the impression that, that he, he may have done that before. Yeah. And everyone's just like, oh, that's Harlan. Yeah. But... So, with Thelma, she is spending the night, not spend, well, she spends the night with him dancing and drinking. She just, like, she's, this is their first night, and she wants to, like, be free and have fun. So, she's like, I'm going to drink and dance and have fun. Mm -hmm. And then she just starts dancing with Harlan most of the night, having a good time. So, I mean, when people say oh that they shot him they're gonna be like oh well she was flirting with him all night yeah so they're gonna blame thelma and then louise is gonna get arrested because she just shot at him and he unfortunately just dies so and and then there's just i know there's um film critics saying like well why didn't they just shoot him in the leg or whatever but i mean she just shot she's not gonna be like pointing at a certain part she just like turned around and shot like i don't think she intended him to die yeah but i don't when... know if he did either or i don't know if she did either but i also don't know if it matters right because even if he lived he would be like those bitches like he would still try to want them to be arrested for shooting him yeah i, I think they're gonna be blamed no matter what they're going to be blamed no matter what. No one's going to believe them no matter what, even if he had lived. Right. Um, I think having him dead has to be yeah. the better course of action. Not just because he's the scumbag who's probably a repeat offender who isn't getting any sort of accountability and will not within a court of law, but... If he's alive and can attest to these two women shooting him, then that takes away a lot of their motivation in the first part mm-hmm. of their road trip. Because when they're first starting out, they're like, well, nobody really knows it's us, we, but we're going to try to make a break for it to Mexico yeah. just to be safe. But if Harlan lives, then he can inform exactly who it was and the chase becomes... You know, the cops are going to be on their tail a lot sooner, which lessens their opportunity. Like, they won't be meeting JD. They won't have all that whole thing happen. Yeah. Thelma won't have her awakening. You know, she won't have the need to rob the bank. And so it won't really escalate. It'll just become a very quick, 
like concert a chase after thing. Scene. It won't. Yeah, yeah. It won't have the same impact because it won't have the same stakes. Yeah, at that second, uh, Thelma is like, okay, well, I shot a guy and he's dead, and we're not going to go to the police. We're going to go straight to Mexico. That's when she contacts her boyfriend to get money from her bank like take it out and meet him meet well she was like can you she says can you get me wire it somewhere sixty seven hundred dollars in my bank i can't get it out and i know you can't either give me 600 can you give me sixty seven hundred dollars of your money and i'll pay you back later yeah so it's not even her money it's jimmy's money that he's giving to her Mm -hmm. with the intention that she's going to pay him back when she gets to mexico but he doesn't know that she's going to mexico because she's refusing to say anything on the phone. Basically, he's like, I did something really bad. You have to, yeah, she you doesn't have to trust me. Say, you have to question me. And he doesn't even question. He's like, okay, I'm going to help. And, yeah, she's not going to say anything on the phone because she knows that they yeah. could be anything could traced. Happen. And um, it's not until... Well, and then, you know, they want to... Thelma wants to go to Mexico and... Or no... Louise, Louise yeah. wants to go to Mexico. Thelma is like, okay, well, we can just go through Texas. Because they are in Arkansas. And then they kind of go across Arkansas into Oklahoma. Like, New Mexico. All the way to, like, basically, like, Arizona. Because they keep on... They just keep... They well, don't, Louise refuses Louise to go to Texas. Louise refuses to go to Texas. So she... Thelma's like, well, the only way to get to Mexico from where we are is to go through the giant state of Texas. She's like, no, we got to go through Oklahoma, then New Mexico, then Arizona just to get down to, t- to Mexico. Mm-hmm. And Thelma doesn't say why, but I mean, you can speculate yeah, you can speculate by... Um... And even Thelma asks her at some point, she's like, were you assaulted in Texas? Did this happen to you as well? And that's why you're avoiding Texas. But well, she refuses to say there too. She doesn't say ever in this movie. Yeah, and like, I think that's a really smart move. Yeah. Um, because you could easily infer... Even Hal, it makes you think, because even Hal says near the end when he's on the phone with, like, I know what happened to you in Texas. And then hangs up the phone. Yeah. You can speculate, like, maybe she, she, this did happen to to Louise as well, and maybe she did kill someone in Texas. Like, she probably did something similar in Texas. I don't know. Do Do you think that she was, like, wanted... So if she put she sets any foot in Texas, she gets pulled over. They're gonna find out. Oh, you're wanted for something in this state, so we're gonna arrest you. I, I went back and forth on it. I, I think it's either one of those two. I think it's either something like that where she has done something physical, or taken you know like take another person's life, or or did something terrible to another person, maybe killed someone else. Um, and that's why she doesn't want to go there because she's a wanted person. And if, if they do get pulled over, then she's just done yeah. for sure done. 
the other part of me just thinks that and that also leads me to think that maybe Louise is not her real name. Okay. Right, like that that's a possibility, I think, in this, is that Louise is not her real name. Whatever her real name is, she left in Texas for whatever reason. Okay. Yeah, she may have left someone who was abusive to her or something. Yeah, that's that's, that's my other thought. It's like she just escaped this terrible relationship or escaped, escaped some sort of whatever relationship and she just went on the run from that and we've seen from like sleeping with the enemy and other just right life you know just news that if she sets foot in texas people are always looking for you right if she sets foot in texas whoever's looking for her is gonna find her quicker or something yeah so she's like i'm not gonna go in texas so find a way for us to get to mexico but not through texas so that's when they I mean, they start in Arkansas, and then they're in Oklahoma, and they keep on running into J.D. Yeah. Because they're off to Oklahoma City, so Louise can meet up with Jimmy. Well, she doesn't know. She's she's just... Louise is like, I need to go to Oklahoma City because I need... She's not even telling Thelma, I'm going to get money. She's like, I just need to get to Oklahoma City for something. Right. So they're just on their way there so that's when they keep on running into JD who's Brad Pitt and uh, Thelma just takes a liking Thelma is just you know she's kind of like a puppy dog or whatever I don't know she's like let's just be nice to everyone because every time Thelma and Louise stop somewhere Thelma is like telling her entire life story to people Mm-hmm. And Louise is like, you need to like be on the low profile now because of what we just did. And but I mean, Th- Thelma's like, oh, whatever. So I mean, they finally do pick up JD, and she pretty much tells JD their entire what they're up to. Right. Yeah, it, it's it's an interesting situation because um, earlier in the movie, you get in this whole idea of victim blaming blaming as well. Right, like right after the incident, they get into the the diner. They're talking about what are our next steps, where we're gonna go, and then Louise basically says, "Well, Thelma, if you hadn't been doing what you were doing, we wouldn't be in this situation in the first place." And so, like, it gets in that. And obviously, Thelma takes offense to that and is like, "Well, you know, like, how can you possibly say that? Like, you know, the, there's no way that I could have known that." anything like this is going to happen. Yeah, she's, I mean, she's just a super, she's just a very friendly person. That's just her personality or whatever. Yeah, I mean, but there, I mean, there's obviously... Like, Thelma, yeah, and Louise is just like, you can't be you right now. (laughs) Yeah, and so it's like this, it's it's a very delicate balance that it's really tough to say. It's like, okay, well let's not victim blame but at the same time like some of these things are Thelma's fault and I think the JD stuff is largely her fault but especially then, yeah. when he admits to being a robber and she knows that she has all of the cash in her room and she just leaves him to take a shower like she's just very tr- that's why I'm saying like she just lives this sheltered life she's not street smart like how Louise is street smart. Right. 
So we, like, Samo just doesn't think about that. Like, oh, you're a robber. She's, like, all fascinated. Like, tell me what you do and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, she's just fascinated by his lifestyle, not even being, like, sus about him. Like, if it was Louise, Louise would be like, oh, okay, well, I mean, even when they first meet JD, she's like, yeah, no, we're not going to take anyone, so get the fuck out. Right. Like, in a nice way. But then they run into him again, and Louis is just like, yeah, whatever. But yeah, they, they drop him, him again, and they drop him off. They drop him off, they drop him off but he sort of follows them. He knows where they're staying. Yeah, because he, he gets dropped off at the motel, I think. I thought it was like a little a ways from it, but I don't even know. Even Probably Thelma told him. Yeah. Yes, because they they were talking throughout this whole drive from Arkansas to Oklahoma City. So, yeah, he... Um, But yeah, Jimmy was just supposed to send the money. Uh, Instead, he he goes there and meets in person to deliver the money. Um, He says he wants to propose. Like, he knows it's going to fail. But, like, that's his... That's his, like, one little, like... Like Hail, Hail Mary, Mary yeah. last ditch effort things like, like here's a ring. I know you're not gonna accept it. Basically, not verbally saying that, but you know, body language. Um, and then they just talk a whole bunch, and Delma has her awakening with JD because he comes back to the motel to try his shoot his shot again, and Delma's like, yeah, let's let's get it on. Let's do these things. Well, I don't think she was thinking they would sleep together because they I were think just she did oh really okay. yeah when, when I... he came back and like he started to walk away i think she made the decision then okay you? i think she just like because it was raining out she's like all right you can come in like, no i think it was like all right this is this is happening this, this is my this is my chance okay well i thought it wasn't until because they that's when they have like this whole deep talk where Thelma's talking about like how she met her like her husband is like the only person that she's ever been with they've been together since they were like in high school and she doesn't know much about anything yeah and they're just having much like a teenage girl in a lot of those respects right and this is this otherworldly man that's like even though he seems younger than her, she's probably... They don't really say how old these women, but they're probably, like, early, mid-30s or some shit. Mm-hmm. And he's probably, like, in his 20s. He just says he's a student. She's like, no, tell me, like, what you're up to. Mm-hmm. And that's when they have this deep talk where he's like, well, I'm a robber. And that's when she's like, okay, tell me how you do it. And he just gives this spiel... About how he's kind of like a smooth talker. He's like, I just go on in and politely ask for money or something like that. Yeah, he, he gives the entire speech, which she uses. Which she uses that same speech when she robs a store. Yeah, which she has to do because JD steals all of her cash when he is left alone uh, the next morning. Right. That So Thelma meets Louise at the diner that's probably attached to their hotel and you know Thelma's glowing and Louise is like oh good for you but then she's like well where is he and she's like 
Thelma's like, oh, he's taking a shower. And then automatically Louise is like, where's the money? Right. But I was like, why didn't Louise keep the money? Why did she give it to Thelma? Well, she didn't know Thelma was going to have a visitor for the first point of that. But why didn't Louise keep the money? Uh, it could have something to do with Texas. You know? Like, maybe, like, if she was found, then they would find the money. Like, she's more wanted, possibly, than... Than, than Thelma is. Than Thelma. But Thelma's just like, and, oh, yeah, I left a pile of money in an envelope just, like, on the table next to the bed. Mm-hmm. Like, you wouldn't even hide that. Even, not even from JD, but just, like, yeah, anything. Yeah. And that's when... Well, once Louise is like, well, where's the money? And that's when Thelma's like, oh, shit. And they get back to the room. He's gone. The money's gone. I think Louise was maybe too understanding in that whole situation. Like, she's obviously, like, a broken woman at that moment. Right. She's like, that was everything I had. But I almost would have expected a little bit more of, like, a meltdown or... Like, why did, like, more blaming, blaming Thelma even more... Yeah. Maybe she's like, I just can't do that to her because yeah, we're in She right was just now. too too broken that, you know. Like, she's probably blaming herself because happened. she allowed Thelma to allow him in their car in the first place. Yeah, maybe. Um, so, yeah, Thelma has to go. Well, she doesn't have to, but she, you know, they go to, a, like, a gas station well, convenience store thing and it's like, hold on, be right back, and then. She comes out of the store running, like, go, 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 go. We gotta leave right now. And, like, she robs the entire place, and that's how they get their money for the rest of their adventure. Right. But then they are now wanted in Oklahoma, so they're like, okay, we gotta go through Oklahoma to New Mexico. And I think they were going down New Mexico to Mexico, but then that's when... I mean, at this point, well, that I don't know if we get into the truck driver guy. We um, haven't yet. I mean, I mean, we'll, we'll. I think that's sort of like the pre-climax climax. Okay. Um, I mean, well, they, they keep on running into him. It's like, I think it starts when they're in New Mexico. Yeah. Um, it's just you know typical crude truck driver behavior right. stuff that you would expect to see. Um. But they get pulled over for speeding. Louise gets pulled over for speeding by a state trooper. And, I mean, he doesn't know that they are on the run. He's just doing his job as a state trooper because these two ladies are speeding on a highway. They're going like 100 whatever miles. Right. And Louise is... he's. Asking Louise to go in the car, his car with him, and I was like, "Why?" Yeah, it, that was weird. I don't know how how that typically goes down. Usually, they're just like license and registration, and then wouldn't they go back to their car, and then you'll be like, "Okay, you stay here while I go in my car and you know figure it out." But what do I know about anything? But <laughs> anyways. He makes Louise go to the cop car with him and makes her sit in the front seat with him. And then all of a sudden, Thelma just comes by with a gun. She's like, hey, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to do this. Yeah. But 
you gotta get out of the car and then she's like I'm gonna put you in the trunk and whatever and you know they take his gun and his ammo and whatever as much as his gear they can put him in the trunk like blow holes in it first and then they blow out the radio his radio so they don't communicate with anyone and drive off yeah and i think this is another this and also possibly the truck driver also other examples of people saying that this is a man-hating movie because the cop is a man and they just lock him in the trunk even though he didn't do anything wrong i mean but let's look at any other movie involving like anyone on the run anyone on the run or even let's look at something like out for justice and how many innocent people steven seagal's character fucked up in one way or another right just to get to the just bad to get guy. to that one guy and he's supposed to be the good guy in this thing so like you can't say it's i don't know they they are men but right they're not being punished because they're men they're being punished because they are going to catch they're trying the to just survive to however they can and i mean thelma what thelma did for louise she's like okay well they're gonna look up louise because at this point the cops and they're the hal the arkansas detective is now working with the FBI. They now know that Thelma and Louise, they know who they are at this point. Yeah, and they know that... They know their descriptions. Most likely, you know, they weren't charged at this point for murder, but the armed robbery, The armed that's robbery, a real that's a bad... It's, they're wanted in Oklahoma, so that's a charge. But yeah, they've been tapping, like, the Daryl's phone and jimmies and whoever to try to get more information out of them and whatever so eventually they do get to have some conversations between hal and thelma and louise to, you know just sort of like have brief little interludes yeah hal them. is like you know you're not wanted for murder yet i just want to ask you some questions yeah. he's like that's all i want to do yeah and she's kind of like reasoning with him like you know no matter what you ask me, like, I'm going to be charged with murder, like, no matter what. Right. So I'm just going to go to Mexico, <laughs> pretty much. She, yeah. She's like, good luck finding me, sort of. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, Thelma knows that, I mean, once they put in Louise's name and with that trooper, like, calling in to a police station asking about Louise that you know her name's gonna come up and being wanted for robbery and then possible murder so I mean Thelma did what she had to do to help her friend yeah and also I mean I think she just she's I mean at this point alive. yeah at this point she's like I f after the after robbing that store she's like I feel liberated yeah I mean at one point she literally says like are you awake like like I'm you know I'm awake now like yeah, are yeah, you yeah. are you awake uh -huh. and she says that to Louise so you know it's she, like she understands like this is who I am now like this is this is what I'm meant to be and I'm right. perfectly and okay I like with it, it and I want to continue and doing I'm it good at it yeah and I think that's one of the things that makes the movie effective is that not only do you have 
this arc for Thelma. We have Gina Davis playing this character effectively in both circumstances and everything in between. You know, you have this naive woman who's believable as this naive woman. And then you have this ultimate badass bank robber or store robber. And she's totally believable in that context, too. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway. Uh, I mean, at this point, they're... So now they're like, okay, well, we're probably wanted in New Mexico, so we gotta go further. Well, I mean, they're they're just trying to book it to Mexico, I think. Yeah, at this point. but they but go they further the west because they're going to. They went to the Grand Canyon, which is nowhere. I mean, it's Arizona. Oh well, yeah, maybe they're just trying to like get the cops off their trail or something. Yeah. They knew that the highways directly down from where they called last would be blocked, so they went somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they keep seeing this truck driver, and he's, you know, just crooning oh. crass or whatever. Um, and at one point, they just pretend to humor him. And they pull over, and he gets out of the car, and he's like, oh, you finally want a piece of this type of a thing. Right. And then they lay into him like why do you think it's appropriate to do what you do just calling him out on his cat calling and like this is bullshit like why why do you think women would want this why do you think you know why are you the way you are right, right? <laughs> i mean I love... and he's like confused as shit and doesn't he's understand he's like what he's like and he calls them bitches from hell and he's like fuck that he's he's very over the top character. right but i like that whole interaction because <laughs> yeah. it's like why can't because he has all no men learn from that conversation he has no self-awareness yeah and um and uh and so they decide to blow up his truck because you know he's not learning anything right and so that's like the one man hating thing i guess in this I, well because he's like cause they didn't have like to blow for up like his states truck. N- yeah but at that point is that at this point it's more like now we're just in an action adrenaline mode right because they blow out his tire like you know they blow his tires out first and he's like oh great now i'm like stranded in the middle of nowhere but then he continues to just be a dick to them so they're like you know what we're gonna blow up your whole fucking truck yeah and I mean, once that happens, you know, the FBI and Detective Hal is like, are, that's when all the cops, they're calling all the cops in like New Mexico, Arizona, whatever, the surrounding states to be like, we need to find them now. Mm-hmm. And that's when the chase pretty much starts. And Louise, you know, they're going through, there are po- points where they're just, quiet times where it's Thelma and Louise just you know talking yeah and Thelma's like this is so beautiful like I can't believe you know this is our trip yeah like she's just commenting on how beautiful the scenery is <clears throat> yeah like you know again it's just sort of become their human nature yeah to be this way and so they're able to sort of cart- com- compartmentalize it all and fully recognize, you know, just a normal road trip beauty nature side of things. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we'll also, you know, rob when we need to. Yeah, like this is their life now. Yeah. 
And um, so I, after that, the cops are chasing Thelma and Louise through... It's like deserts, but like people's homes too, because they're driving through like backyards and stuff. And there is a point where Thelma loses them. Yeah, yeah. There's there's some there's some good car chase scenes. Yeah, car chase and and crashes and crunches and and high octane racing stuff going on there too. So, uh, but yeah, they're able to somehow get away uh, by going underneath this. Underpass, underpass thing, thing. And, and another car is too big and sort of blocks everyone else's paths through so they're able but to get through for a little bit they have helicopters too now chasing them so i mean yeah and like one of they'll the, know uh, <laughs> it's almost honestly like you know like terminator 2 or something right where you have well yeah when they get to the grand canyon and the helicopter comes up just from the up can from the bottom yeah, yeah i thought that was kind of like cheesy in a way when they approach them that way a little bit yeah it's um it's like we got you but whatever because you see like the and then we didn't even but like steven tobolowski is the fbi guy Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like yeah we got you type of thing because there's nowhere you can go but it's once well you know thelma loses them for a bit they're driving more and then all of a sudden they find the cops find them again and Thelma's doing more of trying to lose them but then that's when they get to the edge of the Grand Canyon and they're like they stop before they can even go over and then they back up a little but then that's when they see the helicopter come up and then they turn around and there's like 50 police cars surrounding them or something and that's when Thelma again she's like oh this is so like she's commenting on the Grand Canyon she's like look at how beautiful this is right and um there's just like a back and forth between the cops detective Hal and Thelma and Louise they're like you know don't they're like put your hands up and don't move like let us see your hands (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, that's what the cops are trying to basically say, yeah, get out of the car and whatever. Yeah, um, they're like, don't do anything else. And Hal's trying to say things, but he's he doesn't even have a, a, a loudspeaker. Yeah. And so, yeah, nothing's being... He's, heard. like, telling the FBI to tell these cops to stand down. But, I mean, Thelma and Louise already mm-hmm. had their mind made up anyway. Well... And I he, think they have had it made up for a while before they got to this point. I think once they realize that they're not going to make it... I think once the money was stolen, they were like, oh, we're not going to go to Mexico. Or maybe... I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Somewhere along the way, they realize, yeah, we're... This is... We can't be on the this run. This is not going to happen. So for forever. We're just going to make like, the let's, most of it. Yeah, let's live it up until we mm. can't do it anymore. So while meanwhile, like the cops are all yelling at them to like put your hands up and stuff, you, you just get Thelma and Louise saying, "You know this is it," and Thelma's like, "We don't have to surrender ourselves. Let's just keep going." Yeah. And Louise That's... is like, "Are you sure? Like this is let's do it. Like I'm in if you're in." And they're like, all right, let's do it. And then they do, like, this is another thing where um, Susan Sarandon kissed Gina Davis. Like, that was not in the script. That was just, like, 
another ad lib thing. They like kiss each other and then, you know, Thelma books it. Then you have the the car driving off the cliff, but it pauses in midair. And then you have like a montage. And then it's like a cheese. This is like cheesy. It's like a cheesy montage of like the good times, but it's just like when they first go on the trip and it's them taking their selfie and whatever. Yeah, like the first like five minutes of the trip only, almost. Um, Which I don't know. Yeah, I understand how that rubs people the wrong way, Uh, and I know that they purposely did not want to see the car crashing and exploding that they did not want to like have that finality yeah. of it sort of leave it sort of i don't know like like poison yeah know, leave it up for the little boy flying out the window at the end like it's leave it up to your own imagination like it's what do you think happens but i mean sort of like the idea of like how much of this was actually real type mm-hmm. of a thing you know like maybe they did get caught and this is just their fantasy the whole time you know what i mean and there's a lot of ways you could potentially interpret it i don't think it's as open-ended as something like fried green tomatoes though where i know we no. have differing opinions on what the ending of that movie means but um and i just say it's similar because it's you know the the husband was killed and, you know, Iggy supposedly killed him. Yeah, and you have, like, the the female relationship. The that, female friendship, yeah. Which yeah. A lot of people comment on... And here I think... more than that. Yeah, this... I mean, this movie... We put it in to Pride Month, but I don't know if it really fully fits. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> but, there have been articles I mean, about saying why this is considered... A queer love story. I, I found a, okay. a, a, a couple of articles. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to read them. We could post but them I can put it on the website. website. Okay. So, there, so there's some subtext there that could potentially lead towards that. Yeah. Um, whereas it was largely implied in Fried Green Tomatoes. Yeah, I think in the book they did have... A relationship with each other but they're not going to show it on screen just kind of like how the color purple was yeah literally and that again that that ending became incredibly iconic i'd say it's in the top 10 film endings of all time just because of the cultural impact and awareness yeah because i think the people who went to the movie theater. I didn't see this in the theater. I, like, watched this with my mom when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. But, um, like, whoever... it's This is the type of movie that doesn't give a lot of clues on what it is. So when you go to the theater, it, it would have been cool to see this, like, in the theater 30 years ago for the first time. And then everyone's reaction to that. Because everyone would be like, <gasps> at the same time. Yeah, to, to see that's... like the original ending, and I also kind of wonder. So we know the credits, like the critics get you know advanced screenings, and you know they don't right. really necessarily even see the trailers, so they wouldn't have a preconceived notion. But if you come in there opening weekend, assuming you're looking at a buddy comedy, would you hate the movie? 
because it turned out to be something so drastically different than what it was advertised as. Well, sometimes the movies where I don't know much about, they become, like, my favorite movies. Because I'm like, I don't... Well, yeah, if you don't know anything about them. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, but if when you they saw the commercials it, and yeah. decided to see this because it was going to be a fun buddy oh, comedy... Oh, fun buddy. I don't know. And then it turns into you, this. Yeah, would you hate it? No, I'd probably be, like, engrossed in this story... And what would happen to these two ladies? And then what really happens, you're like, oh, man. But it's, like, it's you kind of want to root for them to make it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true of, like, any movie where the criminal is presented as the main character. Yeah. For, for the most part. Like, a lot of anti-hero type of stories, you, you are rooting for the bad guy. Like, Breaking Bad, you're rooting for the bad guy. Um, you know... And this movie, I think, because of the way it was marketed and, and, and all that kind of stuff, it had a, a long shelf life because of the word-of-mouth aspect of it. You know, people were telling their friends about it, and then enough people knew about the ending that jokes started to be made on late-night TV or referenced on other shows and things right. like that, and so it kept on building and building and building from there. And so it was in theaters for a long time and, you know, made triple its budget overall which is pretty damn good. So, and I think it's deserved. I think it's I think it's one that's that's worth seeing. I think there's themes that, if you really wanted to, you could go a lot farther with them. Um, but I don't think it's trying to be a preachy movie. It definitely no. has lines in there, like you know, the probably one of the more notable ones is you know, when a woman's crying like that, she's not having any fun. Right, Do you, you know, like, what's your idea of fun? This is not fun. Right, uh, and, and so, like, very or, important, poignant lines right. like that that are in this movie, but I don't think it tries to go to a deep philosophical place, but I think that context is there if you want it to be. And that's important, to, to have a really good, impactful movie. So let's quickly get into some of the awards. I'm not going to go over everything... I just wrote a couple of the key pieces here. Um, Oscar and Golden Globe winner for original screenplay. That was the only opportunity it really had in the Silence of the Lambs era. Uh, Oscar nominated for editing, cinematography, director, and also two lead actresses. Uh, both Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis were nominated for best lead. That's very rare for that to happen in the same movie. Uh, obviously lost to Jodie Foster. At the BAFTA nominations, they had all of those nominations as well uh, as score and also was nominated for Best Film. It was not nominated for Best Film at the Oscars, probably because of some of that backlash. Uh, MTV Movie Award nominated for Best Female Performance for Gina Davis, also Best Duo for the two of them, and it was also shown in two of those commercial montage things with the quotes, and then also a clip was shown in the Women with Guns montage, which I don't know if we've covered that one before even with t2 i don't remember that one popping up but that was a thing uh director ridley scott oscar nominated for gladiator black hawk down and also producing the martian also 10 emmy nominations for producing a whole bunch of different stuff like rko 281 the good wife killing kennedy and killing jesus he's just killing everybody bafta uh at the BAFTA Awards, he and his brother Tony in 1995 got a special Michael Balkan Award, which is for Outstanding British Contributions to Cinema. And then he also has a 2018 BAFTA Academy Fellowship win. 
Uh, he also has a Golden Globe nomination for All the Money in the World. Um, and he has a Cannes Award win for the best first work, which was The Duelists back in the day. He also has done iconic movies like Alien and Blade Runner. Uh, that Apple advertisement that was about 1984, that was like massive at the time. People probably don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> and he's also done like G.I. Jane and American Gangster. Callie Curie, who's the writer, uh, this was her first major production. It took a long time to get off the ground, uh, but eventually released, and this was the first thing that released of hers. She also did Something to Talk About, Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood, which she also directed, and she also has been working on the Nashville TV series for over 120 episodes. Um, a lot of these people are, are major names, and we don't talk about them a whole lot. We got Susan Sarandon as Louise, Oscar winner for Dead Man Walking, nominated for Atlantic City, Lorenzo's Oil, and The Client, Emmy nominated for Guest Spots on Friends and Malcolm in the Middle, um, and a couple other things as well. BAFTA nominated, I'm sorry, BAFTA award winner for The Client, Golden Globe nominated for Bull Durham, White Palace, Stepmom, Igby Goes Down, Razzie nomination for That's My Boy for Worst On-Screen Couple with Adam Sandler, um, also, Razzie nominated for Tammy and A Bad Mom's Christmas. Kids' Choice Awards winner for Rugrats in Paris. I guess she does a voice in that, too. Uh, and also MTV Movie Award nominated for Dead Man Walking. And the one major film that has not been mentioned in all of this is Rocky Horror Picture Show, which she was also obviously in. Gina Davis is Thelma, Oscar Award winner for Accidental Tourist. And a 2020 Gene Herschel Humanitarian Award winner. Emmy nominated for... Gl Emmy nominated and Golden Globe winner for Commander-in-Chief, Golden Globe nominations for League of Their Own and Speechless, uh, Saturn Award nominated for The Fly, Long Kiss Goodnight, and Stuart Little, where she's been in, I think, in all three of those movies. Also, MTV Movie Award nominated for League of Their Own, Tootsie, uh, I'm sorry, definitely not MTV nominated for Tootsie because that was before that time. Uh, other notable films, Tootsie, Fletch, Beetlejuice, Cutthroat Island. Hal, we've seen once before in Bugsy, He'll be in 1991's Mortal Thoughts. Um, he was Oscar nominated for Bugsy, if you remember that. Spirit Award winner for Bad Lieutenant. And Razzie nominated for Last Temptation of Christ. Harvey Keitel. Yeah, Harvey Keitel was. Razzie nominated for Last Temptation of Christ. Well, you said Hal. Oh, I just said Hal? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> that's, that's Harvey Keitel. Uh, also known for Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, a bunch of other stuff national treasure movies i didn't know he was in all of those but evidently he is um so yeah michael madsen played jimmy he's gonna be in 1991's the doors he's been in war games the natural straight talk reservoir dogs free willy donnie brasco kill bill and sin city and stephen Toploski as max he's in a whole bunch of 1991 movies the one thing i want to mention here that i didn't know about him is that he also co-wrote the movie true stories uh the uh the David Byrne um, thing. Okay. I didn't know he was a writer in the first place, but that was one ones he, he wrote. Uh, but he does like a, a whole big range of characters, and it was weird seeing him without glasses. But he does occasionally play an asshole, uh, and this is one of those times. We got Brad Pitt as JD. I think this is probably the last person we're going to mention here. Uh, Oscar winner for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and also for producing 12 Years a Slave, nominated for 12 Monkeys, Benjamin Button and Moneyball, and also for producing Big Short, Emmy nominated for Friends, SNL, and producing Nightingale, Underground Railroad, and also a winner for producing Normal Heart, BAFTA nominations for The Departed, Burn After Reading, 
Golden Globe nominations for Legends of the Fall, uh, Babylon for some reason, uh, Razzie Award winner for the worst couple in Interview with the Vampire, <laughs> MTV nominated, and winners for Interview with the Vampire, Seven, Twelve Monkeys, Ocean's Eleven, Troy, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, World War Z, The Lost City, and Bullet Train. He's been in a whole bunch of stuff that MTV loved, but Fight Club was not part of any of those MTV Movie Award nominations, oddly enough, since that feels like it should fit right in. Um, and he's also in the 1991 movie Johnny Swate. So, big, big, big cast. A lot of stuff to talk about there, uh, but we'll just move on to true crime and pop culture. Okay. Well, I'm just going to talk about TV, because there was a lot going on. So, Thelma and Louise was released on May 20th, 1991, which was a Monday. And on ABC which I found the special on YouTube, the entire thing, is the Best of Disney 50 Years of Magic special. The TV special is introduced by Disney CEO and President Michael Eisner, but then it's hosted by Dick Van Dyke. And I I thought we did this before because I swear we talked about Disney things, but this is a different Disney thing. Because when I, I didn't watch the full... YouTube video. I kind of just skipped around, but it had appearances by Harry Connick Jr. and he sang a couple of Disney songs. It was broken down by seg segments. So Harry Connick Jr. did the music of Disney, like just the history of all the iconic Disney songs from the beginning until 1991. And he does like a piano version of supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> and is then, it like fast or no, is it? No, not really. Uh, so it was just like. It, so it's like pretentious as all get out. Yeah, I okay. didn't listen to the whole thing because I was like, oh god. <laughs> like the but whole point of that song is to to say be that like you speed fast. it up. Yeah. yeah. So when he sings like the. Um diddly dilly, um diddly die. It's like uh, really slow. It's like trying to be like sexy with it. No, I don't. Whatever. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was weird, and um, I only. Diddly, diddly. No, not that slow. <laughs> but yeah, it had appearances by Terry Gar, Daryl Hannah, Neil Patrick Harris, Barbara Walters, Annette Funicello, because they did a segment about the Mickey Mouse Club. Sure. From the beginning until 1991. Yeah, because they were bringing it back around that time. Yeah, the, yep. the, like, yeah, 19, like, around this time is when they had that revival, when they had that band to the party. And Tom, they didn't talk about that. They just talked about the Mickey Mouse Club for, sure. like, five, ten minutes. Tom Hanks, Shelley Long were in it. They do a segment about the animation and how it progressed from the 40s into the 90s which I thought was interesting yeah so I mean it's if you want to watch it it's a full hour and a half on YouTube I just skipped through it so it's within, an hour and a half without commercials yeah so it would have been like a two hour special then on kind I probably have it recorded on a VHS in my parents house yeah Okay, and then 
Moving on to Fox. It, this was Fox Night at the Movies. Where this... I don't know if this has happened before or ever. I don't know about movie releases. Okay. So on Fox, starting at 8 p.m., was Omen for The Awakening, which I know is on our list. But this was first released on Fox on this day, May 20th, 1991, but then it had a theatrical release in August of 1991. Hmm. Has that ever happened where it was on a TV movie that is eventually released to theaters? I can't think of it. It probably has rarely. I mean, it did not do well because they said it was largely panned by critics upon release. <laughs> Maybe they just put but it I in don't... a couple screens or something just to get it eligible for a certain... For certain sort of, like, horror awards or something? Or, like, to make it eligible for certain distribution channels. Like, it has to air in the movies to be on, like, store shelves in a certain prominence. I don't know. Like, Blockbuster wouldn't put it on its, you know, would order... Wouldn't, wouldn't put it on their shelves unless it was release in a theater or something or they'll only order like two copies as opposed to like 20 so i don't know i'm right I'm completely speculating here i'm just making i just up. i've never seen that before yeah me either but yeah omen four if anyone out there has any more info <laughs> let us know what's going on okay and then another movie another tv movie was on at the same time as Omen 4 and the uh, the Disney special which was I don't think I don't know if this is on our list or not but it is the reason for living the Jill Ireland story uh, maybe with TV movies it's really hit or miss because there has to be a copy available to watch yeah I just I've never heard of this but and it sounds vaguely familiar but I don't have the whole list memorized it's a made for TV movie about the the struggles and and the life of famous actress Jill Ireland who she it was about her battle with cancer and her trouble with drug addiction and then her adopting her son and Jill Ireland was married to Charles Bronson before she died. She was with him from 1968 until her death. She died on May 18th, 1990. She was like a consultant for this movie up until her death. Huh. She was diagnosed with breast cancer in 1984. And she wrote two books talking about her battle with the disease. Yeah. And she was uh, given an American Cancer Society Award by President Ronald Reagan right before her death. It was in 1988. Hmm. But yeah, that, that TV movie was on, on NBC. They had 12.5 million viewers. Omen 4 had 6.4 million Okay. And then the Disney special had 12 million viewers. It's not a bad turnout for that TV movie then, For the, the Monday night. Yeah. I was going to, I don't know, I was going to give more tidbits, but 
I mean, we listen to two podcasts that are like 100% more informative than we are. Like, well, actually, just you must remember this is like Karina Longworth does like such a good job that I can't even like, I don't know, we just listen to Karina Longworth's episode and I don't even know it's her current season is all about erotic movies in the 90s and Thelma and Louise has its own episode I think it's episode number four in her months long research about erotic thrillers in the 90s even though I don't know why it's yeah, Thelma and Louise would be considered an erotic thriller, but I mean, it's good to just talk about this movie, anyways. Yeah, and then, I mean, it, it's a, it's a very loose definition of the term because there is like right. a sex scene in there. I would definitely consider it a thriller. So I mean, it's hard and to. I think it probably just inspired others, and so right. like, that's probably more the reason. Is yeah, the lead like, up to other 90s erotic thrillers because like she does talk about background context for future she does talk about sleeping with the enemy as well which is not exactly that's not an thriller. erotic thriller either it's definitely more of a thriller mm-hmm. pure and simple and then the other podcast that we listened to is celebrity memoir book club and it was they just spoke about gina davis's memoir that came out like six months ago and that was very interesting she has like a an entire section about Thelma and Louise and how she idolized Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis is kind of similar to Thelma where she was kind of like this precocious young lady who's like oh I'm gonna be an actress and I'm so happy and yay yay acting and Susan Sarandon just like comes in is like this is how we're gonna do it and this like it's Susan even was reading the script and she's like no I'm not gonna say this we should do it this way and the good thing is that they listened to her well also Gina too because there was a point where Gina had to be topless and Susan even said like no Gina's not gonna do that I don't know if she had to I think it was something that was pitched by Ridley yeah but uh, but Susan just just stood up for Gina was like no she she doesn't need to do that So those two podcasts were very interesting. All right, so let's move on to rankings and ratings then. Where on your one to five star scale are you going to put Thelma and Louise? I'm going to give this movie a five. Ooh. (laughs) How many fives is that for you now? I I don't, I forgot. (laughs) Like eight? Less less than five fives, I bet. No, it's more than five, I think. I don't know. I don't think so. Whatever. Six. This is this is a top ten <laughs> movie for you overall. Yeah. It, it's definitely in the top ten. Um, I'm not I'm not I'm not four star, but on my zero to four star scale, I'm gonna say it's a three and a half. I'm very stingy with my fours, <laughs> but uh, this is an easy three and a half for me. Every movie is worth watching once. Would you watch it again? Yes. I would too. Uh, it's a great action movie just on its surface it's a it's a good relationship movie it's uh it's just a good movie and if you out there want to watch Thelma and Louise as of this recording in June 2023 it's available on Prime Cinemax Turner Classic Movies Digital Rental VHS DVD as always check your local listings 
You can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, YouTube, just search 1991movierewind. Or go to 1991movierewind.com for the full list of movies, along with show notes, and more. Next week, we're getting into, like, a mind-fudgery theme. And we're going to start with Brain Twisters. That's only available on VHS or DVD. We will see you then. Thanks.